Hey everybody, Matt Camp here with Deal Machine. Uh, we're proud to team up with Tom Zeeb here to give you guys a ton of free stuff. So our goal here is to give you the free toolkit to get out there and start finding off-market deals. Um, we're proud to say we're the highest rated and most reviewed app out there to go find off-market deals. And we've had over 10,000 deals done using the Deal Machine app. Now, when you download it, you can get it for free at tomzeeb.com slash dealmachine, and you'll get a seven-day free trial with that. And jumping into Deal Machine, you'll be able to go out there, start driving for dollars, start pulling lists, start finding the most motivated sellers in your market. And then you can start marketing to them directly. You can skip trace, you can send them postcards, you can knock on their door. There's a variety of things that we can help you out with using our technology. And then from there, you can actually evaluate the deals, You know, comp it, use our AI assistant to help you out there as well. You really get the full toolkit to go from you know having no real estate experience to landing your first deal using technology. So it's tomzeebcom slash deal machine for that free trial. With it, if you go through that link, you're going to get $30 free in marketing credits that cover a couple hundred free skip traces or 50 free postcards, give you everything that you need to start reaching out to sellers. So um, get out there and happy deal finding. Yeah, I think the frustrating part in the beginning was just finding my way, finding my way and finding the marketing that fit me, right? Because yeah. I'm an honest believer that cold calling doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone can cold call. Yeah. Not everyone can do direct marketing. Not everyone can door knock or insert marketing right here. Welcome to the Get Traction podcast. If you are ready to learn exactly what it takes to become a real estate entrepreneur, this is the show for you with your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom Z. Hey, today I've got Ryan Lambert. How you doing? Hey, good, Tom. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So I think you've got a whole bunch of fascinating stories to share with everybody. And tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. Well, my name is Ryan Lambert. I live just outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, born and raised just a stone's throw from Lambeau Field. My parents still park cars on their, their grass. So Packer country for those that uh, follow the NFL. But I've been in real estate since I, I picked up Rich Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of investors. Uh, it was right around Christmas 2017. So that was my first real exposure to real estate. I, got a, I have a personal finance background you know, working in the, the financial advice and banking industry. So, you know, money's always been something I've, I've been around and, and thought about and obviously worked in, but real estate isn't talked about a whole lot, you know, in, in, in college, it was a couple paragraphs in all the books. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and if they're talking about real estate, it's REITs you know, uh, or yeah. some sort of funds or stocks. It's not investing in real estate and creating passive income from rental properties and, and that type of stuff. So Rich Dad Poor Dad was really my first exposure to that. And it just kind of clicked like, all right, I got to I want to start building passive wealth. So I want to start buying rental properties, devoured, devoured dozens of books over the course of maybe six months. Started going out to the, you know, looking at properties with an agent, trying to make offers on the MLS, but everything I was making was way below what they were asking at the time and never got really an accept. I never got really close to getting an offer accepted. But then I went to start going to local RIA and started meeting some people and learning a little bit more about the business, got some mentorship. And that's when it started to really become real, you know, started the whole LLC, got into wholesaling a little bit and, and flipping. And yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's really started to pick up since doing your program and COVID. 
Good. Crazy enough, it has accelerated the business. So. Funny how that works, right? And COVID yeah. can um, help other people. All right, you said a whole bunch in there, so I want to break some of that down for everyone because there's a lot going on. College, taught you, finance, not really real estate investing for your own purposes. Like you said, REITs and big kind of corporate type thinking, correct? Right. Right, and right. that's not what sets you free individually and personally. It's, I guess it's fine if you want a full-time job in that field, right? but not on its own. Now, so you said you started making offers on listed properties through an agent. What was that like? And it sounds like you're saying it didn't work very well. So what was it that didn't work? Part of it is, you know, when I run my numbers, you know, re- from reading the books and talking to others, you know, I want to make sure it cash flowed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was buying up for rental properties. I was looking at a lot of single family homes and some duplexes and some other unique ones. There was one that was a single family home and a duplex on the same parcel. That was that one I actually almost got because it was just so unique. But I was just really low balling volume. Well, it felt the, the realtor thought I was low volume, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, there's no way that's going to get accepted. You know, you're 40,000 below what they're asking, you're $30,000 <laughs> below what they're asking. And they're right, it didn't get accepted. And, and those properties did end up selling for right around what they were asking. And this is in 2018. So it's not like it was a crazy market like it is now, but still yeah. a pretty good market, right? Yeah. The first half of 2018 when I was doing this. But yeah, I think part of it was the friction from the realtor that, you know, hey, this is going to accept it, but we'll try. And uh, I understand pushing, hey, let's, let's just make it because you never know, right? And then part of it was just being new, I think, and not really looking for off-market deals. I'm a person that I like to not be able to talk to the sellers, was a struggle for me, like having to go through a middleman. It's hard. To me, it's, just, it's hard. Yeah. So you were almost thwarted by choosing to work with, look, there's, <laughs> I'm not attacking agents, but there's very much, there's agents and there's investors. And I've talked about this. I've talked about this on a podcast episode as well with, with yeah. my agent. It's, they're two very different mentalities. And if you're not careful at the beginning, it's very easy to say, well, this person has a license from the state. They must know what they're talking about. Well, they do know what they're talking about, but within one niche and one frame, kind of like education telling you, well, you can just have a read, but it, both sides are still missing the other way around it. So knowing what you know now, when you look back, what were the warning signs that you would have seen that you can now warn other people about? Yeah. I mean, are you saying regarding offering on MLS properties or just overall? Yeah. Overall, uh, MLS properties, the kind of offers, you know, obviously yeah. they weren't going, but also overall. What's right. kind of how was it that you finally figured out I need to do this my own the way that I've been reading about, not the way that these other official people are telling you? Yeah, I think the thing I was clicking, I was doing it for you know four or five months and not getting any accepted offers, right? I mean that frustration of hey, I'm looking at, you know, I probably looked at a dozen properties, which honestly isn't a lot. And now that we're in it, looking at a dozen yeah. properties is not <laughs> a lot, right? But just getting frustrated with that, feeling like I was going nowhere fast and you learn a lot by doing right. And I think making MLS offers is all fine and good, but doing it the right way. And when you're reading books, they do say go off, you know, go off market, but not knowing how to do that. You know, just someone saying, Oh yeah, send out mailers or, you know, knock on doors or whatever it was, you know, not having a mentor really to be there to help out. I think that slowed me down as well. Just not knowing, not knowing what you don't know, cause you're new, right? That's yeah. your green. Yeah. So if I was to say to find a mentor, you can trust and drive with as soon as possible. You know, it took me, it wasn't that long. It only took me like eight or nine months to do that. But once I started doing that, that's when things started picking up and started at least getting some movement. And even then you still take, still take us a while to get going, but 
but yeah, I think finding someone that's experienced that can help you along the way is going to be, it's going to just accelerate you. Yeah. It's rocket fuel. What else changed then? You know, you said making, you you barely made 12 offers and it sounds like you recognize the need to have more. So what do you, what's today? Like how many offers do you make these days? Yeah, I think in the past year, about 90 in the past year, I made about 90 offers and I wish it was more, to be honest with you. I wish I would have made 150, 200 offers, right? Yes. Because in those 85 to 90 offers I've made, I've gotten eight accepted offers. So not too bad of a closing ratio. Yeah. But yeah, if I would have made 150, 200, I might be had 15 to 20 deals this last year. So that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan, you say that. So what's stopping you? Time. Okay. You know, time is the biggest thing. Is just managing time. You know, I, I do work a W-2 job. I like the employer that I work for. Yep. So balancing that along with, you know, I have two young kids and a family, it's time. And eventually it's got a lot better just carving out, like making sure there's times in my day and times a week that I am making, you know, cold calls or, you know, going out looking at properties or whatever it is. So planning out the day to at least carve out enough to do that, that's certainly helped. But, you know, I'm getting to the point where eventually, you know, I got to make the jump and, yeah. and, you know, go full time. And so I can make three, four, five, six, seven, eight offers a week. You know, which then should double or triple what you're bringing in from it. Absolutely. Yep. So 90 offers, you said, and eight deals in the course of the last year. Yep. Okay. Because a lot of people are going, how do I do it? How do I start? What do you know? Yep. I told people to make 150 offers, get 10 of them accepted in a year, which is pretty setting the bar low. So you're kind of right on track for that. You're 90 offers for eight deals. Yeah. Yeah. So the, would the other two be found in the next 50 to 60? Probably so. Uh, certainly actually more given your ratio. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. Yep. And what kinds of deals are you bringing in? A little bit of everything. So we bought in four, well, five rentals since last April, four since last June, got a flip and then three wholesales. Okay. So a little bit of everything. Three wholesales, a rehab flip and four rentals. Well, and then the rehab flip, to be fair, is like more like a whole tail. I mean, it's really putting lipstick on the pig. And then <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So what kinds of motivated sellers are you finding? What are some of their stories? You don't, don't give any, uh, don't give any yeah. names. So you know, we're not going to dox Right. Just right. in general. Right. Again, kind of all over the board. Tire landlords. Yep. You know, that's, that's where, where the retail, I mean, the rentals came from. We're all tire landlords. Even some of the wholesales have been tire landlords. That's probably been my, my best ones. Some of those were expired listings. Some of those were referrals. Funny enough, we bought two rentals from the same seller. We got one under contract right now with the second one under contract right now, but it was a referral from someone I cold called. Okay. It was a referral from a landlord that I cold called and said, Hey, I, I don't, I'm actually selling mine in the MLS. However, I know of a couple that does want to sell them because there we got in you know, a conversation about you know, what I do and the properties I have and I told her about one rental that I had and she's like, oh my God, I know someone that's on that same block as you that's looking to sell their portfolio. So just funny how that stuff works out when you're talking to people on the phone and actually engaging in conversation, the stuff that just comes out. We end up paying her a referral fee. Okay. Well, fair enough. So you get a referral and you make a cold call, cold, yeah. cold, cold calling. Let's speak to that for a minute. Yeah. Wow, cold calling sounds awful and disgusting and it's frightful to most people. So what's it like when you pick up the phone to make a cold call? What's it like now? And what was it like at the beginning? Right. 
I've never really been afraid of it. I will tell you when you, no matter what, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, in different positions for years on the phones and, and I, I have a little bit of background sales, but that first call a day, when you make it out, you still get, butter, I still get personally butterflies in my stomach. Oh, like, wow. like, I, 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 I hate doing this. Like, I'm not, I hate it, but you know, like, oh man, like, yeah. I hope they say no. I hope I get a no right away instead of getting like a really motivated person off the bat because yeah. I just want to break the ice, you know? Yep. All right, I got my first no. Can't be worse than that. Like, let's go. And then I'm fine the rest of the, you know, hour to hour and a half I'm cold calling for. So I don't mind it. I mean, you're talking to people, you get an answer. I mean, that's what I love about cold calling is yeah. you get an answer. Either it's a yes, a no, or a, or a maybe, right? And if it's a, a maybe or and or not a hard no, you can still follow up with them and, and you know, and set that expectation that you're going to continue to follow up with them. And then eventually, like, we bought a deal that took us two years, you know, to get, and you just keep dripping and dripping and dripping and dripping and calling them, you know, maybe it's every month, maybe it's every three months, maybe it's every six months, right? It just depends on the feel and how motivated you think they are and, and their responsiveness to it. But I just like that you get an answer, right? Okay. When you're sending out direct mail or you're doing other marketing, you don't know if they're looking at it, right? They might toss yeah. it in the trash, they might be holding on to it forever as well, right? I've heard plenty of stories about people holding on to it for years, right? Yes, <laughs> it's annoying, but it's true. Right, but I'm just, a, I'm a high eye. I don't know if you know disc assessments, but I'm a high eye social person. I'm an ID, so I like talking to people. That's where I get, I always feel like if I can get in front of somebody, mm-hmm. I'm much better at building rapport than the average person. I'm not saying I'm phenomenal. I'm saying I'm above average or slightly above average, but that's enough. That's enough, I feel like, to give me an advantage over maybe other investors that may go out there that may be a little more shy. So I love just smoozing with people and trying to find common ground. And then once they like you, they may come down a little more and you might be getting a little closer on deals. So I think that's the biggest part. Even though you consider yourself a people person and even though you know what it's going to be, you want to get them on the phone, you still have the butterflies in your stomach at the first call. I want to – I'm – putting a sharper point on that because a lot of people that aren't comfortable at all. And I think it's good to know that even someone like you who's comfortable with it, you still, it's like running the first five minutes. If you're going to go outside and run or exercise it, the first five minutes is the worst. Cause you just, yeah. you're, you're kind of, nah, yeah, man. It's so, it's so easy to quit in advance and never do it than to get into it. And next thing you know, it'll start to flow. That's a great metaphor, Tom. Yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. You run and I've, I run too. It, it's that, like I said, the first five minutes and you're like, I need to stop. I need to stop. Why, am I, why am I doing this? Why yeah. do I put this off this? But then, yeah, then your body's like, oh no, it's fine. Right. It's like yeah. your body adapts and same thing on the phone. You just adapt to it. And, you know, a no isn't that big of a deal, really. It's, uh, it's, no, it's a good thing, in my opinion. No is a good thing. Okay. So that right there is the number one mind shift set needed. Mindset shift needed. Sorry, dys- dyslexia is running high today. <laughs> the number one <laughs> mindset shift needed to, to change is that a no is a good thing. You can't be afraid of a no. In fact, you should almost be perversely happy that someone's telling you no, because now you're one step closer to the one that tells you yes. Yeah, I've had a, a coach in the past, and this is not real estate related to say go for the no. Yeah, yes. Go for the no. You're, all, you're guaranteed success. Right. You're going to get no. Right. Or we do calling and he'd say, don't stop until you get 15 no's. Yes. You know, doesn't matter how many yeses you get. Just don't stop until you get 15 no's. Or it's the same way. Do you remember when you were at my implementation boot camp? I spent an absurd amount of time smacking my forearm with yeah. my hand and talking about how, look, it stings at first. 
you know, it smarts, it stings, you feel it, you feel it, you feel it. And then, but eventually it goes numb and you just don't care anymore. Right. That's the same thing with getting no. You just, you're not going to care after a while. So you keep going. And those that are adverse to cold calling, I feel like they think everyone's going to yell and cuss at them. Right. (laughs) Which it certainly happens. It certainly happens. But 1% of the time, 2% of the time, I mean, it's not. Most people are, you know, maybe it's because I'm calling Wisconsin people too. Like I'm in Wisconsin here, so it's, it's the Midwest, nice. And I gotcha. I've been told off, but still, like, like I feel like everyone thinks people are going to scream at them. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen. I mean, you know, people are pretty polite overall when you call them. <laughs> would it be a little? Maybe you have two percent in the Northeast that would start, you know, yelling and screaming and cussing you out. But I go, all right, fine. In the Midwest, it's one percent. That's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's stay so, with Wisconsin. Terrible market. There's no money here. Yeah, there's no money. Stay away. Stay yeah, out. Stay right? from Wisconsin. Yeah. You got the state locked up. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your wholesales for a minute. Who are you selling them to? What kind of fees are you getting? And why are they happy to pay? Yeah. So our buyers list has have definitely it's developed over the last few years. The more deals you do, the more buyers you find. With social media, it's so easy to find like get people to add it on your buyers list because mm-hmm. there's forums for local real estate groups or real estate investor associations. So you can post your deals on there and, and you can attract buyers that way or word of mouth. But yeah, so we have a mixture. We have a lot of, a lot of landlord buyers that people want that are on the buyers. I'd say most of our buyers, I'd say two thirds at least are, they want to buy rentals. And then we have like the other third are flippers. Okay. So that might be unique. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me Tom, if that's kind of unique, just having more landlord buyers and flippers, but but yeah, that's that's kind of the the demographic I'd say that we have. Interestingly enough, the last last one we got was an out of state. It's my first one where I'm actually dealing with an out of state buyer. Okay. So this gentleman was out of Colorado or is in Colorado, and he's like, it's hard to find stuff in the Denver area that's yeah. affordable, right? So yeah, he, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got kind of introduced to him through an, another contact, and uh, yeah, he he bought a deal that we. Uh, we had our, we got our, our, he signed the contract. We signed it, I think it was a week and a half ago. So, but yeah, as far as the fees goes, it's been a gamut. Our lowest fee we got was $10,000. Okay. And our highest was 26,660. It's a sweet range. So from right. 10 to 20, let's, let's just say 26,000. Yeah. yeah. With the most of them, I think most of them were so, we only had one ten thousand dollar one. The most of them in that that fifteen to twenty range. Okay, so you're averaging fifteen to twenty yeah. on the deal, and with how much time investment per deal? Once you get the deal under contract, not a lot. I mean, <laughs> it's weird, right? <laughs> uh, five hours. Five hours. Five hours per. Okay. I mean, that might be high. You know, I've gotten much better at building templates and stuff like that. That may definitely speed it up, but. I do get a lot of calls. Like when I put my deals yes. out, I get buyers calling me. And that's probably, I'd say most of that five hours is talking to buyers on the phone. Gotcha. Sorting through the buyers that come yeah. forward. Yeah. That are interested in it. Yeah. That one just have more questions or sometimes it's hard money lenders reaching out to me as well. Like I have a relationship with a few in the area. So, you know, they have someone that wants to offer on it, but they want to call me and talk to me about it just to, all right. So here's, I've seen your information, but be real with me. What's it like? And, I'm, and I talk to them and be straight with them. And it, it, what I said is, is what it is, right? It's exactly what it is. So yeah, it's not a huge time investment. I mean, where else do you make 15, 20 grand in five hours? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now it's not every five hours. I don't want anyone to say, no, you said I'm going to make, you know, $15,000 an hour. No, 
That's not what we said. We said that for the time that you spend on that. So let's calculate what's the overall time. How much time do you spend? Let's break it down by week. How much time do you spend per week on all things real estate? So not day job, not kids and family, not relaxing time, real estate time. What is your focus time? How many hours a week, Brian? About 15 to 20. Okay. 15 to 20 a week. Yep. Okay. Yep. 15 to 20 a week. Some weeks more or less than others, right? I mean, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 20, 25, but I'd say 15 to 20. Okay. And so per hour, that's working out to be a decently healthy return. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What's frustrating you these days? Two questions on frustration. What's frustrating you now in your business? What frustrated you at the beginning when you were getting going? Yeah, I think the frustrating part of the beginning was just finding my way. Finding my way and finding the marketing that fit me, right? Because yeah. I'm an honest believer that cold calling doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone can cold call. Yeah. Not everyone can do direct marketing. Not everyone can door knock or insert marketing right here. Yeah. You have to find a marketing channels, right? A couple of them at least, or start with one that you can focus on that fits you. So it took me, I didn't start like really aggressively cold calling until about two years ago, year and a half. What changed? What flipped the switch? Why did you start? Cause I knew that I'm like, what am I doing? Like setting up mailers and putting out Bannon signs and all this stuff. And, and like, I really, what am I good at? I'm good at talking to people. <laughs> I'm good at building portal. So what the heck am I doing? I need to, I need a cold call. And that's when things really started to pick up is when I started cold calling and just talking to people on the phone. What you're saying is important. Again, I think to put a sharp point on is so some stuff works great for certain people. And some stuff, not so much, but it could be totally different for you than the next guy. Absolutely. Totally different for you than the girl, you know, down the street. It just, it's all different because you, like I say, you're good on the phone. Some people aren't fine. Then go more direct mail, go more bandit signs, go more advertising. But if you think you can be halfway decent on the phone, then do that too. It's finding that there's just like there's a real estate investing is a big area and a big space. And there's something that fits you, your desired outcomes, your personality type. Well, it's the same with marketing for real estate investing. Some of it's going to be, some of it's going to fit you better than the other person. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the key is, is to find what it is that works for you. So basically, Ryan, you're saying when you got frustrated enough with the other forms of, of marketing, you realized, I like cold calling. I need to do more cold calling. And you just hunker down and cold call? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I'm impatient. That's another thing. I'm impatient. I'm too impatient to make direct mail and band signs work. And they were a huge time drag to get them going, right? Mm-hmm. And I was cheap too. That's that's part of it. <laughs> cold calling is extremely cost efficient. Oh, because what's your cost per call? I spend one fifty, one fifty a month for my dialing service, and I, I use Mojo Mojo Dial. Okay. okay. So I can call three numbers at the same time, okay. and then I use I got Call Rail for my phone numbers. So I spend two hundred bucks, under two hundred bucks a month to have a marketing system that I can call infinite amount of numbers if I want to. Which is beautiful. Now think about it. You don't even, it speeds you up and it's good, particularly if you're impatient because you're, you're right. dialing multiple at the same time and you only talk right. to the people that actually answer. But right. you could do it old fashioned, pick up the phone and call, in which case your cost is zero. Right. And that's how I started. I started like that the first few months. But again, like, man, only making, you know, when you're hand dialing, you're only making you know, maybe 20 calls an, an hour. Yeah. Maybe, you it's know? just physically slower. It's just physically slower. You got to wait for the voicemails and all that stuff and actually leave the voicemail every single time where, you know, if you use some technology, there's there's shortcuts and, eff- and efficiencies that, that get built into it. Yeah, I like so. it. So that's what frustrated you then. 
your business is growing now and you're in a different place. You're an intermediate investor and heading towards advanced. So what's growing pains tend to bring different types of frustration. So what's frustrating you now? Time. I want to spend more time finding motivated sellers. So that's, that's my biggest frustration right now is, is just finding the next deal. And it's not that it's, I know where it is. It's, it's somewhere in my database, right? Yes. But just not having enough time to reach out to them, call them. You know, I usually prioritize follow-ups first on the yeah. call it new stuff because these are people I've talked with before. So yeah, there, there'll be weeks where I'll cold call five hours a week, four hours a week. There'll be weeks where I don't cold call at all and just do my follow-ups. And that's frustrating to me. Like gotcha. I know I'm, I'm leaving a deal there for someone else to find because I didn't call that person. That, <laughs> person. So that to me yeah. is really frustrating. Not so sure. that's something I'm going to be uh, addressing in the near future. What are you doing to fix it? Yeah, I kind of got a plan as far as leaving my W-2 job to go full-time, and that's going to help. Yeah. Also, I've been doing some SEO stuff too. So that's I've been working on that the last year and having people call me again. That's, again, impatient, right? So yeah. wait for someone to call me. <laughs> that's another marketing layer that I've been put I've inserted on to have people call me. So and it's starting to get some traction. We got, our last deal was a an SEO deal. So that was a good one. Okay, good. What I'm going to... um So what folks may not know is you're in one of my ongoing programs. So we get to talk on the phone. Yeah. It's trash control. And a few months ago, I don't want to embarrass you. I think it's, I think it's a great lesson. A few no. months ago, you, you, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. You got on the call and it was kind of, look, you're you have great personality, right? And you're positive. And I think that shows right now as we talk. But a few months ago, you went, you maybe were slightly, had crashed a little bit. Tom, it's just not good. I've, uh, I feel like it's all dried up. There's nothing happening. I can't seem to get anything going. Everything You had probably had nonstop no's for a while. So, uh, but then things turned around. And what did I tell you at the time? And how did you get through that period? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hit it really hard. I had cold calling really, really hard and really got consistent the first quarter, you know, and it was, I think it was at the, at our Mar- yeah, the end of our March call. I was like, Tom, I've been hitting this thing. I've been looking at houses. I've been making tons of offers. It was probably like 30 or 40 offers that I put in, in a three month time frame, And I just kept getting just stonewalled, right? Stonewalled or there was something that just didn't work out. I had one person say yes. And then, you know, end up saying no after I sent the contract. So it was just, I was getting very frustrated and I was just down in the dumps and you're like, Hey, you know, Ryan, just keep going. It's going to happen. I've had another student that went through the exact same thing. You know, April's going to be a good month. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, two days later, I followed up with a lead that said no to me like a bunch of times after seeing the property and we sell the property in January and she said no to me a bunch of times. And finally she's had enough and I got to come up a little bit too. And but no, it worked out. And yeah, that's that's actually the deal that we made $26,000. <laughs> so, so you went from dry spell, you know, like a, a drought at, to your biggest fee. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had, I think we had four contracts in May. So, got you. All right. Uh, so. April was okay. <laughs> May has been very good. So we got, we got stuff under like that we've closed on and stuff under contract. The flips, uh, we have a, a flip that we bought two weeks ago, but it's post-close occupancy till middle of January, July. So once that's done, we'll get our guys in there and hopefully having it on the market at last week of July, first week of August. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah. And just, so. you know, we're recording in June, just so people understand the the, uh, the time frame here. Well, that's, not, I mean, you're coming out of the, uh, the drought and dry spell in grand style. Right. So when that hits, like yeah. it'll hit again for you someday. And oh, sure. other people are in the midst of it now or heading into it. 
What advice do you give them for how do you push through? Do you tell them the same thing I told you or what would you say? Just mindset shift, right? I, hey, this is this, this happens. It's streaky. And I tell my guys on the sales side too on my W2 job, it, sales are streaky. They are absolutely streaky. So yeah, I had a cold streak for three months and look at this. In two months, I've gotten five contracts. And part of the frustration we talked about before, I've been working so much on these deals I've gotten so quickly, I haven't been able to go and do as much outbound marketing. And so my guess is, hey, I haven't been able to do as much outbound marketing, which is a frustration point. I'm probably gonna be back in a cold spell again, you know, for, yes. for the next month or two. Not maybe not necessarily, right? Maybe a follow-up thing will come through, but that's if you're not marketing, you're not gonna find deals, right? So that's been a frustration to me is not being able to do as much elbow marketing, but I would just tell people, yeah, stay with it, stay the course, try to up your game a little bit. And, you know, a lot of it's a mindset, you know, I, I do, I'm a firm believer, whether you're spiritual or not, but in, you know, asking, you know, shall we open you seeking, you shall find type thing, karma, whatever you want to call it. So just believe that if you keep doing the right activities and that preaches to like in my said my w2 job in sales if you do the right activities good things will happen eventually right <laughs> and usually it happens in bunches right so you might be slow for a while and then you might crush it and i've seen it time for time and but when it happens to you right when it happens to you that's when it's tough and that's where i was in march talking to you tom was it hadn't happened to me really in a while and it happened to me and i'm like man what else can i do i've been doing everything i can so if you're at that point where you're doing everything you can, just find the strength to keep going and you'll probably be pleasantly surprised by you're probably one foot from gold. Yep. Yeah, that's just it. Don't walk away when you're one foot from gold. It's the, you almost, no one wants to double down when they feel down and out, but you've got to at least stay with the fundamentals. The fundamentals don't change. And so you, know, you were saying you're, since you live down the street from the uh, Packers, it's blocking and tackling. Just yeah. get back to the basics. There's not, you don't need anything fancy. It doesn't need to be anything wild or different. Get down to the basics, which is consistent marketing. Get some calls out there. Get your marketing out there. Your, whatever kind of marketing you're doing, if it's ads, if it's, if it's letters, postcards, phone calls, get it out there. And then talk with people on the phone. It's blocking and tackling. That is what's going to generate it. Everyone wants to wait for, oh, there's going to be a, there's this ninja technique or there's this special chokehold or something. Forget it. You don't need anything special. <laughs> Literally get down to the basics. That's yeah, why they're I mean, called the basics. If it's worked before, it'll work again. And you, yes. you, you might think that it won't work anymore and you need to do something new. And, but then you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, just distracted with something yeah. new and then you know, you're going to be worse off. Yeah. And a big lesson from this too is you were onto it when you said it's it's frustrating in the moment when you don't have a deal, but you got to learn some patience. You got you know it's going to come, but it's it's because we only want to look at something like what have you done today? Well, but that's not the right way of looking at it. And even maybe what have you done this month? It's what I like to look at the year overall. And but even you know at this point, if you're eight deals in a year, that's eight deals out of twelve months. Okay, so there's. Assuming it's spaced out evenly, which you just said it doesn't, some months are going to have three or four, and then there might be three or four months with zero. We have to accept that. And this is patience. <laughs> patience is a virtue. It's also right. one of the absolute toughest. I think it's one of the toughest pills on earth to swallow is learning to just be some you know, freaking patient with things. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm an impatient person. So I am too. <laughs> yeah, I say that just like you. I don't, I don't have any patience. And yet I try to constantly remind them, you got to be patient and look at the big picture because it's the big picture is different than the day by day picture. Right. 
there's day by day things you do to build towards what that overall big picture is. So you, it's not that there's nothing to do on a given day. It's just that you can't judge the success by only what happened today. We've got to look at that big picture. Right. I think that's right. important. So what would you do differently? If you were starting off today, let's wipe out all your experience, but you know what's possible because you understand now. So what would the Ryan of today tell the Ryan of a couple of years ago? Well, in the beginning, you know, pick up the phone and start dialing. That, that really changed the business for me. Tell everyone what you do. Uh-huh. Tell everyone what you do because we get probably a quarter, I'd say, well, yeah, 25 to 30% of our deals from referrals. Interesting. So you're not shy about, you're, you're happy about what you do and you're not afraid. I was at first. I was at first, right? Because I feel like when you're new, at least for me, when I was new, what's my credentials, right? Uh-huh. Like, hey, I'm a house flipper or I'm buying rental properties. How many do you have? I don't have any, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Okay. So then you're not really a house flipper. You're not really a, no. uh, you're not really a, a landlord or a buy and hold investor if you don't have any, right? But once you get over that, tell everyone you know what you do and, you know, get on social media and all that stuff like that and start just kind of documenting what I'm doing, then people know you're real. And that takes time, right? That yeah. takes a long time to build up. But the sooner you start, the sooner that's going to happen. And then also biggest thing is get mentors. And for me, I've had obviously you, right? Yeah. Which has been phenomenal. I have a local mentor. I also had a, you know, I said we're doing SEO. I had a, an SEO mentor. So, you know, getting mentors that know what they're doing to pass on that knowledge and save you from making mistakes or give you rock fuel to accelerate, yeah. I think is huge, yeah. huge. So yeah, does it cost money to have mentorship? Not all the time, but a lot of times it does. But if it's going to accelerate your business or prevent you from making a huge mistake that costs you tens of thousands of dollars, then do it, right? It's worth it. It's worth it. But for, I get so many gold nuggets from you and my other mentors that I have as well. Like I know, I think it was the first month that I was in your traction control program. Obviously we, you know, we've known each other for what, like a year and a half, almost two years now. Shoot. Wow. From when we first met at the real, you came to uh, yep. local here in Appleton, but where's it going with that? But, Oh, the first traction control call we were on, I said, Hey Tom, I have three people that are kind of ghosting me. They seem like they're super motivated, but they've been ghosting me. What would you do? And I describe each of the three situations. You said, Ryan, say this. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so I said it. I said it. I tried that in all three of them, and I got two of those three deals. Well, what do you know, right? That's the. Like, that's the <laughs> so that was crazy. Yeah. Like, like, so it's it's those types of things that, you know, those gold nuggets, right? Like, there's not like you said before. There's not special techniques. There isn't special techniques, but sometimes there's things that certainly help, right? And it yes. might just take that one thing to get the deal across the finish line. Right. Yeah. There's good skills and knowledge. It's just, it's not necessarily that, but not everyone knows the basic skills and knowledge. So it's, yeah, I think getting that and being able to implement that is good. Now, when you mentioned, I have a number of students that use both my program and the local program or a different one. There's, I don't find anything wrong with hybriding like that. Has that been an issue for you? Do you find this, are we talking across purposes or have you basically taken the, you know, the best of everything and merged it together? The latter. Yeah, the best of everything together. Because Tom, you're not in Wisconsin, right? right? You don't know the local market like right. my local mentors do. So they're able to help me with that aspect of it. And they're, you know, the biggest thing for me was they came to walkthroughs with me. Because my biggest, one of the biggest things was rehab numbers, right? Like <laughs> I've never been a contractor. <laughs> when I grew up, my dad was the hey, hold the light type dad. So I held the light while my dad did the, you know, the car work and you know, all the rehab in our house that we had growing up. 
I was a hold lighter, hold a hammer, hold a tape measure guy. I hold the tape measure. <laughs> yeah, hold the tape measure, hold the chalk, whatever it was, the chalk line, all that stuff. He let me do a little more as I got older, but still. So, but I didn't, I, I've never been a contractor. Could I fix little things here and there? Yeah, but I don't know how much it costs to to fix a wall, a bowed wall in the foundation. I don't know how much it costs to remodel a whole bathroom, right? <laughs> all that stuff was just foreign to me. So having a local knowledge, because prices are different prices across are different. areas, right? Yep. Materials are similar, but local contractor pricing is different depending on what market you're in. So having that knowledge there and then also just the contacts and things like that locally was huge. But then from a national perspective, you know, you come in and you have people from all across the country that we talk to on calls and I can hear on calls. And one thing that you're super strong with is negotiation. That was something I was missing. And that's really what brought me into your program was the negotiation aspect of it and the, the control part of it, too. And the marketing, like it's all good. I've definitely used stuff from all three different phases. You know, the fine make and get paid, baby. Paid. You like getting paid. I was gonna say control, but it's get paid, right? Yeah. So uh, I've used stuff from all three of those, but the negotiation side of things really was a game changer for me. That really started accelerating, getting more yeses instead of nos. Gotcha. So that to me was a huge, just a huge boon. And obviously, you know, and you're very knowledgeable, and you've been in the game very long, just like my mentors locally have. But sometimes you hear things different ways. Yeah. Right. So having the way you say things is similar to the way my local mentors say, but you might say it a little different or my local mentor might say a little different and just sticks. Right. So I can pick and choose the best of both worlds and get gold nuggets from both of both mentorship programs. And it's been phenomenal. Terrific. So on the with the negotiation training, that's I think negotiation. I tell people all the time. It's the key that starts to unlock more and more because. You get your marketing down, you get your phone ringing, or you make outbound calls and they answer. But we, most people are at a default setting are saying no. We've got to move them from no to yes. So when you did that, like you're saying, that's been accelerating you more and more. So what were your hangups on negotiation before? You know, I like, I like to do a lot of what was it like before, what was it like now? So what's changed for you about negotiation? What was it like then? What's it like now? Yeah, I mean, I was still doing a little bit of it in the past. My local mentors helped with it, it was, you know, the making two offers type thing. Yeah. But a lot of times I was still making offers a lot closer to what, you know, the MAO, right? Whereas, you know, moving over to, to Tom Zeeb, learning to, you know, bracket and just the different techniques that you've taught, it's more of a toolbox, right? So when I'm on a call, I have a cadence that I have, right? But knowing when to pull which tools yeah. And having a name into them or I'm going to call, I can think, okay, I need to flinch here or whatever it is, right? Like <laughs> having names put to those things, it still helps me mentally. Yeah. Like, all right, try this, try this, try this. Whereas with the local manager program, it was more just, they didn't really have, they didn't have a system around it, right? The negotiations right. side of things. Yeah. So I think having you having that system and that knowledge and the, the different conventions and training specifically around negotiation has been just huge for me. Not surprised. And I'm glad to hear it. Tell me about your craziest deal or the craziest seller that you've dealt with. There's some sort of, you know, funky story coming out of left field. Probably my first deal. <laughs> kind of nuts. Far by far. Yeah, it was Bannon sign deal before the local police shut that down. I got two deals off Bannon signs and then that was it. And then the police got a call from the commissioner of Green Bay saying, hey, if I find any more of your signs, I got 30 in my office. If I find any more of your signs, I'm going to find you. <laughs> Sold it. All right. No more Bannon signs. But no, so the first Bannon sign... Um, I got a call from a gentleman, tired landlord. He had three properties okay. that were in a nuts. It wasn't, I mean, there's not really a bad, there's not a war zone in Green Bay, right? 
but in a not so nice area, Green Bay is kind of in a flood area, floodplain area. And he wanted a discount, but not to me, it wasn't a big enough discount where I would have held it myself. But yeah, he had three properties that were two were next door to each other. And one was across the street. So he wanted to sell all three or nothing. It was an all or nothing deal. So it's like, man, like, where are you going to, so talking to my, my local mentors, we visit with them a lot. You know, they were, they're older couple, you know, in their early eighties and they just like to visit because, you know, that's what they do. You know, they're, they're in their eighties, they have nothing else to do. Super nice people. I still stay in contact with them, but just trying to figure out how to put this together because the numbers were really, really tight. So we had to find that we reached out to a bunch of buyers and a lot of them weren't interested in it just because they didn't need a lot of work. They were under mark, they were under rented. Um, and again, the neighborhood wasn't the best. So to find that right buyer was difficult. And, and the seller also wanted to be unique. They didn't want to sell it due to tax reasons. They want to sell them all just cash. They want to do seller financing. Okay. So there's a lot of just unique things, seller financing, three properties, 10 units total. So there's two, three plexes and a fourplex. Okay. The area of town, uh, trying to wholesale all of them to the same person, right? Uh, there's so many unique things that came into play that it was, like you said, trial by fire. It was a very unique first deal. Funny enough, the buyer that ended up buying it, they moved out of state at the end of the land contract and we ended up wholesaling a second time <laughs> during COVID. During COVID. So that was a twofer. It's not too often you get to do the same deal twice or the same property twice. Right. But then we ran into the similar issues, right? I mean, so, and that was during COVID. It was right at the beginning of COVID too. So it was like, oh man. Yeah. Uh, we did it. Yeah, we did it. So that was a very unique one just because of all the different parts, you know, yep. self-financing and multifamily. And, you know, it was just very unique, very unique. So your, your wholesale buyers, have you found any resistance on paying you fees from, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand, 26 grand? Is there any reluctance? No, because honestly, I think there's only been a couple where they've paid what we asked. A lot of them have been over what we ask. I've heard this from, I can't remember who it was from, but it was from, I was on a podcast where they said, Price your deals five to ten thousand dollars less than what you think they should actually go for. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, and then then there's a feeding frenzy. So that's what I've been doing recently. But I, I've never had anyone that's bought a deal complain about how, I, how much I was making. Now, some buyers on my list have reached out, or people have reached out to get on my buyers list, was saying, "Hey, I don't want to pay more than an X amount dollar wholesale fee." Well, that's fine. <laughs> and don't. Then you may not be buying from me. Right. Or they want to know what I got under contract for, right? And I'm like, well, that's, you know, that's my business, right? What I got a contract for. You know, I don't get if you're a buyer that's buying from a wholesaler and you don't do your own outbound marketing to find off market sellers, like what right do you have to control yeah. what the wholesaler is paid? To me, it's and I think you've said this and others have said that too, you get paid what you can negotiate, right? Right. If you can only negotiate a five thousand dollar discount to the MEO for a flipper or a landlord, that's what you deserve. If you yep. can negotiate 20000 whatever, right? That's so the better deal you can get, the better wholesale fee you should be able to get, right? So it's, I get frustrated when I hear that every now and then of, oh, these wholesalers are getting 10 or 20 or 30 or 50, depending on your market, $50,000. I've certainly heard of a <laughs> local wholesaler she's getting $50,000 in wholesale fee, but hey, kudos to them for being an awesome negotiator yeah. and still solving yeah. the seller's problem. Yeah. So you're selling to the buyer at the price the buyer wants to buy at. So you're selling to the rehab or the landlord at the price that they would buy at anyway. Yes. Your fee is determined by how much better than that price can you negotiate with the seller. That's yours. If that's five grand, great. If it's 20 grand, great. If it's 50 grand, great. There's no limit. Right. And so the only thing I've got to say to the buyers who, if they want to have a strict limit on what they pay, they're not the buyer for me. 
just right. skip them. There's other buyers right. out there who understand the business properly that as long as they're happy with what they're buying at, it doesn't matter how much I've made. Exactly. Exactly. If it's still a good deal, what does it matter? What does it matter what wholesale fee is? You know, so the buyers that have purchased me in the past have never once complained about that because the deal worked for them. Yeah. You know, it worked for them and they've all been great deals. And I think, yeah, it's turned out well. I mean, I get buyers that text me, hey, when's your next deal coming up? <laughs> they're anxious for it. Because, right. yeah, it's it, because they're not focusing on the marketing. I mean, you're saying one of your complaints is, I wish you had more time to focus on the marketing. Well, they don't have any time either. And they get very wrapped up in their projects. And that's one of the reasons they want to buy from wholesalers because they can just buy and keep moving rather than have to fiddle around with the part of the business they don't like, which is right. marketing and negotiation. Right. And one thing, and I don't want to go out, this is kind of related, but I think the way I put my deals out to buyers has been strengthened by your program as well. Yeah. You know, the, the buyer package that we put together. Yes. I follow your advice to the T and it definitely has differentiated me from other wholesalers in the area. Like, I'm on other wholesalers because I want to buy too. I want to buy rentals as sure. well or find good flips. So I'm on other wholesalers lists and I'll get emails. Some are good, but in my opinion, not as good as ours. Some are good, <laughs> but some are just, hey, I have this deal to this address. Here's how much I want. Yes, okay. <laughs> what other, can you tell me about the property? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what does it need? Or, you know, do you have comps? Like, what you got, you got to be, you got to help me out a little more in this, right? So, <laughs> I feel, and I'm, what I've noticed too is I've been having buyers tell me like, we love when we see your deals because you give us a lot of information. And I feel like I may not get as many buyers walking through the properties as other wholesalers. Sometimes I do, I think, but sometimes I have just a few that walk through it, but they're because they know they know that it's probably a good deal, right? And they're yes. going to make an offer. Because you've given them enough information in advance. I mean, I've been accused of being... Right obsessive compulsive with the way I put together a buyer package and yep. I accept the accusation. It is obsessive compulsive because it helps look, give everyone the information they need. Cause it actually, right. it usually it'll cut down on the amount of people that need to go see it, which saves me time and hassle. And right. I think it makes it better for them. I get the serious folks that already know they can handle it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You don't get the, you know, the, the people that know they're not gonna make an offer. Yeah. Right. Or, uh, the, um, or your advanced buyers that know exactly what they're looking for. Right. Yeah. I'm glad that's working out for you. That's Ryan, it's totally awesome. The amount of things that have come around and, with it and gelled and as your business has grown and firming up and taking hold and taking root and you know it's possible. So what's next? What's the next yeah, step? For you? The next step is, you know, I have a plan in place and I'm, I have a specific revenue goal I want to hit before I am able to leave my W2 job. And that's going to be hard because I love the company I work for. I gotcha. love them. They've been so flexible. They supported me, honestly, during during my my journey here in real estate. Yeah. I've gotten a referral from someone I work with, and you know the people on my team and my leaders that I work with. They've all been very supportive. Heck, one of uh, my direct uh, supervisor, her husband makes signs for us and stuff. He, <laughs> nice. he does. He makes some marketing stuff for us. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So everyone's been very supportive, but eventually there's gonna be a time where I just can't. You know, you can't burn the candle at both ends for that for so long, right? I mean, I've had two things going on ever since I've been like probably a sophomore or junior in college. I've always had uh, two jobs or two things going on and it's not fair to my family. It's not fair to me, honestly. And I, I'm not giving a hundred percent to both. And that's frustrating. You know, I'm using the word frustrating a lot in this podcast, but it is right. So being able to go full time in the not so distant future and really focusing on this during the day when my wife's at her job and when my kids are at school and daycare, 
yeah. then I can be more present during the time I'm supposed to be a husband and father. Right. Yeah. So that's exciting to me. And then being able just to, you know, make more connections in the community from a real estate perspective and from other things, you know, spending more time with friends and family, that's exciting to me and being able to travel the country more. Yeah. And I know my business is going to explode. I know it's going to explode. And I've, <laughs> I've talked to so many other, like I have, and here's an approach I take everyone I work with my property manager, my hard money lender, my commercial banker, mentors, you, I view you guys as advisors and partners. So I over communicate to everyone I work with. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? Is there anything I'm missing? So I've talked to my property manager, my, you know, my hard money lender, all these other people. Hey, here's my plan. You know, do you think I'm crazy or what am I not thinking about? Or do you have any issues? Cause I, you know, you're a partner of mine. We have vested interests in each other. Do you have any issues with that? Or, or do you have anything? And everyone's like, no, do it. Like you're going to kill it. You know, you're going to, you're going to double your income, triple your income, whatever it is. You're going to blow up once you make that jump. So just do it already. Right. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what they've been saying. So I'm getting to that point and it's exciting. And uh, now it's just uh, executing on that plan. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks. I'll let you know when it happens. I know we, we talked about that uh, a while ago. So yep. on one of the calls and on one of the setup. Absolutely. You know, Ryan, I think this is fantastic. So I want to thank you, Ryan Lambert. Fantastic. Exciting. I think you've gotten people motivated. I thank you for your candor, for your honesty, just openness to share. I mean, we've got, like we said, we've talked about frustrations a lot because I know that's going to connect with people who are frustrated by things, but it's going to help everybody to move on. So I think, like I say, you help in many ways, you help more people with your marketing than you could ever possibly even understand. And that's not just for me, that's also as real estate investors, think of the number of people that you might have triggered to do something, to sell their house and move on, even if they don't wind up doing it through you. So I think a lot of people need to remember that everything we do is wind up, it's doing good, it's getting out there, and then we're able to capitalize on the things that make sense for us. And Ryan, you've done fantastic these last couple of years. And I think the next couple of years, once again, if we talk again in a couple of years, it's going to be, you're going to go, wow, it's almost unrecognizable what's changed in life for the exact same things you just went through. That's the plan. That's the plan. And you hit the nail on the head too. Like, you know, I've talked to you about this and also my adventures, like as long as you're trying to create women's situations, like you do help a lot of people. And it's unlike the stories that I've had from sellers after we've helped them is just amazing. Right. Like we just helped one lady last week. We, we helped her on her house and she was just so relieved to be done with dealing with the tents she was dealing with and the house she was dealing with. So, and she's also, she sent me two referrals since then already. Yeah. So it's like, the, like you said, the impact you have on people, even if you don't buy their house, Yep. In this industry, you can help so many people. Huge. It makes such a huge impact just doing this business. It's huge. So every time you hear some of all these evil investors are out there, well, I, that's not us because right. everybody I work with is happy. Buyer, seller, real. We have, it just, just, there's no losers in these deals right. when they're done right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Doing it the right way, I think, is huge. And if you do it the right way, things are going to work out well. Well said. Well put. Ryan Lambert, thanks. Great seeing you. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Good talking again. Take care. Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit GetTractionPodcast.com. Happy wholesaling.